Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Come on. Man, I don't know. This, when I picture and visualize all of us going to heaven, and I'm hoping that all of you are going to be there with me. So, I mean, that's really a personal choice, but praise the God, I hope I see you there. <laughs> but, you know, the Bible says that there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I've always had this vision of what that would look like. That we would all be gathered around for that great day when the feast is set before us. And I see these big doors that are closed. And you can hear all the music. And there's a climatic, climactic, whatever if I'm saying it right. But there's this build in the music because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is about ready to make his entrance. And then all of a sudden you see these doors open and great shafts of light come bursting out of the doors. And he steps out in majesty. Amen. And I can see his body, his church rising to their feet, lifting up their voice, applauding, clapping, shouting, rejoicing, falling on their face, weeping. And you realize that the feast is, is, is for an appointed time of us being reunited with our, our, our groom and our, we're the bride of Christ. But it's almost like I can envision that that applause and that worship and that praise goes on for thousands of years. Now, I realize there's a time frame because he's coming back and we're going to lock Satan up for forever. You know, you realize that there's a... But can you, can you see that? I just, I can see waves of people worshiping God. That the moment that it starts to die down, somebody says, whoa, praise God. And everybody just starts back in again. Come on, this is the God in which we serve. He's alive, amen? Amen. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Are you glad that you're here at church today? Amen, I'm glad that you're... This is, what do we call, Palm Sunday? Amen, and so, so glad that you're here with us. Do you know what next Sunday is? It's Easter, isn't it? Can you turn me down? I'm just a little bit hot, please. Thank you. Amen. So I want to welcome you to come on back next week because it's going to be Easter. Those of you that are watching and tuning on online, if you're within driving distance, come out and join us as well. Just so glad that you're tuning in. We have live streaming today. So praise the Lord. So glad that the church is expanding. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes you just have your format and you have your notes, but sometimes things just get stern on the inside and you just feel like you want to preach a little bit. But, you know, praise God. You know, I've got Cody up here. He keeps me in check. He gets me. He looks at his watch. No, he don't do that. <laughs> just... <laughs> Oh, praise God. Well, why don't we pray and just invite God just to be here this morning. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to to share the word of God. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and open for just all that you desire to do this morning. God, I pray that we would begin to see the scripture unfold and become real to us. And that we would be able to truly see the king and who you are. To see everything that you've done for us and that it would become... Not just information, but it would become revelation. God, we bless you. We magnify you. And thank you for what we have the opportunity to celebrate. And Jesus, we thank you that you are bringing in the masses to Genesee Valley Church. That we have the opportunity to love them and minister to them and share Jesus with them. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, just on a side note, if I can just... uh, 
encouraging on some things. Uh, we've been kind of talking about this in the past, uh, just here and there, and I made mention of it this past Wednesday night. But we are purposely and strategically purposing to move forward. And you realize when it comes to moving forward, there's times that you just got to step out on faith in some areas. And how many of you know that faith doesn't make sense to the natural head? You know what I mean? You know, you can reason things out. You can look at the checkbook. You can look at just all the natural things that say whether it's possible to do the impossible. But how many of you know the Bible says that with God, all things are possible to him who what? Believes. And so, therefore, we've just got to step out on the edge sometimes and believe that our God's a little bit bigger. And so, one of the things that God's really been pressing and stirring in our heart is just that we need to purpose to get into a bigger place. Amen? And again, I realize that you think, well, how's that ever going to happen? Well, that just means that God has to increase you. That was a good time to say, praise the Lord. (laughs) What does that mean? Because if God increases you, that means that it allows us to move forward. If He increases you, that means that the church increases, right? And that means that we're purposing to have the ability to have a greater reach, a greater voice within this community. Uh, I I think I shared with you just a few weeks back as we came together uh, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting and just the morning prayer. I was up here praying. And as I was praying, many times when I pray, I just kind of walk around. And I got up here and I, I began to pray and God began to show me some things. And the natural head says, well, that's just impossible, God, because I know where we're at. I see the numbers. I see the figures and all of that kind of thing. And God, that's just not feasible. It's just not possible. But then he just kept talking to me as I began to pray. And you realize that when you pray, you step out of the natural side and you step over into the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, things seem so much more easier there, right? And I said to him, I said, God, I started to laugh. I said, God, I said, on this side, when I'm in your presence, everything seems so easy. Even if I'm saying in my head, it doesn't make sense. But it seems like it makes sense. And it seems like it's easy on this side in your presence. And God said to me, he said, the reason being is because I let you see things on this side so that when you get over on the natural side, you can say what you saw. And because you say what you saw, faith arises and then you'll see what you saw in the natural. And so I just believe that we're going to begin to see God move in this place. And we're going to step out. And as we do, God's going to meet us, right? Amen. In fact, I had a, a minister friend. His name's uh, uh, Pastor Scott Webb. And one time we were in a, a service with, with him. And he came over and he said, uh, the next phase of what God's doing is going to take the spirit of faith. And if you know anything about the Bible, the Bible talks about the gifts of the spirit. And one of those gifts is the gift or the spirit of faith. And what the, the spirit or the gift of faith is, is things bigger beyond what you can actually believe for. Amen? But when you believe for them, it's a sure thing it will come to pass. And so what that means is we just got to step out into the unknown where there is no safety net. And praise the Lord, it's fun living life that way. Amen. Somebody says amen. I said it's fun living life that way. It's fun trusting God at your every need, saying, God, you are so awesome, and we just trust you in everything that you're doing. And we're going to see God do big things. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know why we got on that subject, but praise God, it was good anyways. Are you ready to get into this message this morning? How many of you know Jesus is alive? I said, Jesus is alive, and that is our series titled, and we're going to finish it up next week, but we're going to see God do some awesome things, and I'm going to share with you what God put on my heart for next week as we begin to see God bring in new faces, faces that you've not seen before, people that are hurting, people that are desiring a touch from God, people that are saying, I don't know whether there is a God. How many of you know that God is able to prove that He is a living God? 
How many of you know that God is able to say, you want to see it? I'll show it to you. You want to believe me for it? You can expect it. You'll have it. And so I'm expecting some awesome things next week. Praise God. And so this is Palm Sunday, as we said. And for those of us that are Christians that have been walking with Jesus, this is what we celebrate as the triumphal entry. Right? If you ever remember your Bible story lessons, there was the triumphal entry. And that was the time when Jesus came into Jerusalem and they just began to celebrate who Jesus was. They began to uh, 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 just have basically a parade and say, we just want to acknowledge the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, as a result, the the, the actual uh, terminology is Passion Sunday. And so we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus coming in as to who he was. But it's really the beginning of Holy Week. And this whole week really lays out the things that Jesus went through for you and I. And it gives us the opportunity to really appreciate what he's done. And we'll conclude this week coming back next Sunday with Easter Sunday. And so I want to bring to your attention just beginning to look at this story of Jesus. In Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter uh, 11, starting in verse 7. And once again, I really want to encourage you to look beyond this story as just being a story that you know well. A story that you've always heard. There is such significance and such a reality of what God wants us to begin to understand who He is, what He's done for us, and really begin to appreciate and use faith for this particular thing in our own life. In Mark 11, starting in verse 7, it says, Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on it, and He sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those that followed cried out saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he the... or Blessed is the kingdom of our Father that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and then he went into the temple. If we can put this into practical terms, really what took place is... They were throwing a parade for Jesus. And the Bible tells us the reason that they were throwing him a parade and throwing such a celebration is because they were celebrating all the miracles that they had that he had done. I said they were celebrating all the miracles that he'd done. So in other words, he was quite the celebrity. There was quite a fanfare that was going on right now. They were saying, this is the one that we've heard about. Or there may have been other ones that said, this is the one that has totally turned my world upside down. And the biggest thing that I can begin to really try to help paint a picture. You know, we watch the movies and we see just, you know, a street full of people and think, well, yeah, it was a great celebration. But listen, it's far more than what Hollywood has ever produced. And like I said, the, one of the, the, the best ways that I can maybe paint a picture for you is maybe when the Pope has come to the United States. Have you ever seen those pictures on the television when the Pope comes by? And just masses of people, thousands of people show up as a result of the Pope coming by. Just hoping that they can see him. Just hoping that he would come by and bless them. Hoping that they would come by and that maybe he would shake their hand or bless them or whatever the case might be. They were just looking to be able to see the Pope. But this was far more. The Bible says this. 
they were celebrating the miracles that he, that he had done. But the Bible tells us that if all the miracles that Jesus had ever done was recorded in books, that the volumes of the books could not be withheld within the earth. Can you picture that? All the miracles that Jesus, the volumes of books could not be contained in the earth to all the miracles that he did. So that tells me he touched a lot of people's lives. So in other words, when he's, they're having this parade saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Those that were sitting by the edge of the road was the man that got there because he walked there. But just not too much before that, he was the one that was lame from his mother's from his mother's womb. He was, he was lame from birth. But as a result of coming in contact with Jesus, he was able to walk on his own accord to get there for the parade. There was individuals that couldn't see. They could always hear things that were going on. But there were those that were standing by seeing him saying, that's the one that gave me sight, that gave me the ability to see again. There were those that were dead. But Jesus raised them from the dead. Can you see it? There was a mass congregation, hundreds of thousands of people that were there singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you sense the energy in the atmosphere? Because they were celebrating who he was and all that he had done. But think about it. This triumphal entry was short-lived. It wouldn't be long that even one of his disciples would betray him. The disciple was there with all the fanfare, but just a matter of a few short hours, just a couple days later, he would betray him and sell him to those that would lead him and crucify him. There were those that would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. One breath, and just a matter of a couple of days later, they were screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. There was the one that actually walked on the water with them, and he was the one that would deny Jesus. Think about it. In this story, we have a practical lesson of how short-lived and how fickle human love and adoration can be. One minute you're the greatest thing. One minute you're the greatest celebrity. One minute you're the one that set hundreds and thousands free. But they're the ones that turned their back on you and said, crucify him. Can you imagine how Jesus felt? Can you imagine just the hurt, the frustration? Can you imagine the heaviness? Have you ever been betrayed before? I've been hurt by individuals that were close to me, especially in ministry. And I even saw it coming. You know, many times God gives you foresight into some things that are going to take place. But that doesn't even make it easier. Just because you know what's coming down the road doesn't make it easier. You still can feel the hurt of betrayal. Jesus knew what was going to take place. But even in the midst of it, people still said, crucify him. Come on, can you just for a moment put yourself in those shoes? 
Now, as we look at that, I want you to understand that Jesus, he was not simply just in a victim of a course of events. This wasn't just an unfortunate turn of events. This was something that Jesus knew was going to take place. It was predestined. It was ordained that Jesus would die for you and me. It was God's purpose. It was God's plan. So he wasn't a victim. Many times I think we look at that as though Jesus just got caught off guard. No, he knew what was coming. Even in the midst of them crying, Hosanna, he knew it was just down the road. But nevertheless, Jesus purposed to do it for you and me. As we begin to look at this, I want you to, again, keep that in your mind that Jesus wasn't a victim. He wasn't helpless. In John chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. It says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from the father. So the Bible tells us that Jesus knew the plan. Jesus knew the outcome. And Jesus said, no man takes my life. So that tells me that Jesus was a willing participant. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't do well with bullies. I don't do well with people picking on me. I don't do well with people picking on other people. I don't do well with loudmouth people. Just because that's just kind of my nature, I, I'm just kind of confrontational that way. If somebody was going to slap you, what would you do? You slap them back, right? Now, I don't know about you, but my dad, he taught me this. He says, listen, they might be bigger than you, but you might as well go down fighting. He said, if, if they're bigger than you and you're going to go down, you might as well get your licks in too. And hurt them as bad as you can, and hopefully you might escape. Right? I can only imagine the natural man side of Jesus being spit on, hit, pushed, prodded. Come on. The natural man, you know, he's like, but if this was different circumstances, as we, if, we, if we was in a different place, it might be a different outcome. Right? But nevertheless, Jesus said, I know what my plan is. And this was ordained by God. And I freely lay it down. No man's doing this to me. No man's taking advantage. No man's strong enough. I'm doing it of my own accord. In John chapter 12, verse 27 says this. It says, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. So he said, God, he said, this is a heavy burden to bear. He said, but nevertheless, it's that purpose to surrender to your, to your will. And even after Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter, he said this in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, verse through 24. It says, God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and he prepared, uh, or he prearranged, or his prearranged, prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and you killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him 
in his grips. Once again, Peter said, God allowed this to happen. God allowed this to happen. But in the midst of letting it happen, he said, he raised him from the dead. Nothing about Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection was accidental or incidental. He lived his life according to the plan of God. It was all prearranged. It was intentional. And there was a purpose behind it. Can you say amen? Jesus felt deeply the pains of others. Well, let me get, I uh, skipped over that. Excuse me. Excuse me. Don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to keep you right on track here, right? <laughs> he felt the pains. He felt the, the pressures. He felt the letdowns of life, just like you and I, right? But the interesting thing is that the Bible says that hundreds of years before Jesus ever went through that, that it was prophesied, that it was foretold, that it was spoken, that this would take place. And Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest griefs. It says, We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. And he was despised and we did not care. And the word translated there, sorrows, means pains of any kind. Pains of any kind. Here's something that I'm looking forward to. In the weeks after Easter, we're going to begin to address the pains of life. And I find it ironic that God led me that way preceding that because we're talking about what Jesus went through. Through all the griefs, the sorrows, and the pains, the, re the rejection, the hurt, the discouragement. Nevertheless, He did it for you and I. He did it for you and I. And the Bible says that He did it so that you didn't have to carry that care anymore. And so I'm telling you what, we're going to talk about Easter next week. We're going to celebrate Easter. And let me just kind of give you a heads up. Jesus went to the cross and He paid the price so that we can not only be free from sin, but be free from the curse of the law. And part of the curse of the law is sickness and disease. And so I just believe that next week as we come together, we're going to see the miracle working God work. Amen? So I want to encourage you, invite somebody to church, somebody that you know that maybe has sickness, things that they're going through, because we're going to see on Easter, there is truly a risen Lord. And those people that have stuff going on in their life, they're going to find that Jesus is alive still and wants to resurrect some of those things and bring to life those things that are hurting in their life. But the weeks after that, I, I'm believing that we're going to see new faces come back after that. And as a result, just helping them through the issues of life. God does not want us to be depressed. He doesn't want us to carry the worries and the cares of life. He doesn't want us to be limited to our past and the things that we've went through. Do you realize that Jesus endured all that for you, but the Bible says he forgave it. So when he sits on the cross, he doesn't sit over up on the cross and look over his shoulder and say, God, do you remember all the things that they did to me? No, he don't remember the past. He's free from the past. He's free from the hurt. He's free from the, the letdown of those that were closest to him and betrayed him. And Jesus said, I've come that you can be free as well. 
We're going to dive into that. And man, I'm so excited. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. I'm kind of intimidated by it because it's such a, a heavy message on my heart that I'm saying, God, help me articulate that message in such a way that people can grab hold of that and truly be free. Because I realize that there are those that carry life on their shoulders. There are things in the past that have prevented them from moving forward that have caused them to be enslaved to maybe those things that have happened in their past. But God's going to free us, amen? And I'm praying that He's going to help me articulate and bring across the freedom and the liberty that God desires for us to experience. And so, getting back to this idea that He experienced the sorrows and experienced the griefs and the pains of any kind and all kind, I want us to look at those sorrows and just the things that He experienced. First of all, we obviously look at the cross and we're able to see that he was our substitute that he went to the cross and endured the pain for our sins but secondly we see that we have the opportunity to see Jesus taking our cares and our griefs and those pains really appeared on every page of the gospel amen if you'll look for it you'll see everything that he did Jesus listen to the scripture for us to begin to understand all that he went through you think your story's bad let's look at this In Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, I'm just going to give you some reference points. But Jesus grew up with the knowledge of what Herod had done. What did Herod do? Do you remember that Herod heard that there was a king that was being born, that he was coming to set God's people free? And Herod began to look for the king and look for the baby. And when they were unable to find him, do you remember what he did? He killed all the boys that were two years and under. Think about the grief and the weight that Jesus carried as a result of that very thing. He carried that through his entire life. That purpose, that situation. Think about it. He's talking to a a woman. And she's still grief-strucken. And as she's talking to this, or as Jesus is talking to this, this mother, she's telling him the story and says, Yeah, you know, I had a son. He would actually be right about your age right about now. And she said, man, I'm so thankful what you did for my life and how you set me free. But I often wonder what my son would have been raised up to be. I see you as being a great man of God. I I wonder if my son would have been a great man of God and would have been used in, in awesome ways for God. But I never had the opportunity to know my son because he was under two years of age and Herod killed him. Sent soldiers to destroy many of our kids and as he's hearing the story of this mother as she's burying her heart he knows all along that I'm the reason that that happened can you imagine the weight of that how many countless mothers and fathers said and shared that same story and Jesus all the while knowing I'm the reason that that happened once again we continue to look at the scripture we also see that Jesus was threatened by death all the days of his life and early on he lived the life of a refugee escaping to Egypt think about it we look at those stories nowadays and how they're living they're living in just compounds of tents and rough conditions I wonder how Jesus lived trying to escape those early years of childhood living as a refugee once again we see the story of Jesus that maybe he possibly experienced the pain of losing a 
of a father because we see over in Luke's gospel chapter 2 that after he went to the temple at 12 years of age, we no longer see the scriptures talking about his natural father, Joseph. And so it's very possible that he experienced the pains of just losing a loved one. At one point in time, the Bible tells us that the scripture, the scripture tells us that his family thought that he was crazy. That people thought that he had lost his mind. That they didn't believe him. In fact, over here in Matthew chapter 3, it says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. They said he's out of his mind. What, did that, what does that mean? It means they were trying to put him in an institution. Have you ever had anybody tell you that you were crazy for believing what you believe? How many of you ever said that you were the Son of God? Imagine him. Another scripture says in John chapter 7, verse 5, it says, for even his brothers did not believe him. Come on, you got your family, the ones that are closest to you, the ones that are there to have your back, and they're saying, we don't believe you. What's the matter with you? You're saying that you are the chosen one. Can you imagine the pressure, the pain, and the hurt, and the concern that he must have carried, the pain of knowing that people were continually rejecting him? Once again, we see this, the rejection. It says that he came into his own people, and it says that they rejected him in John chapter 1. It says that he continually lift, lived with the threat of death. The religious leaders, the government continually tried to put him to death. You remember they tried to throw him off the cliff? Just simply because he said, I'm the one. Jesus also felt the deep pains of others. You know, this is one of those things that I, I tend to be a little bit more calloused in. But I've come in contact with specific individuals that really just have a big heart. And they oftentimes feel the pain of those that are hurting around about them. And it can affect them because they want to help so desperately, but they carry the weight of somebody else's grief and pain and sorrow. And the Bible says that Jesus was that exact same way. In fact, the scripture tells us this in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. It says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. And he wept because of Lazarus being dead. Lazarus was a good friend. He saw his family hurting, so the Bible says that he carried that. The Bible says that Jesus heard about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was his cousin. They were playmates. They grew up together. But the Bible says that John was beheaded. What was he beheaded for? Ultimately because of Jesus. Jesus had to carry the pain and the pressure of that. And then in Mark chapter 3, it says this. It says, one time when he faced the religious leaders, it says that he looked around them and he was angry, but he was also deeply saddened because of their heart being hardened. I think that's what grieves my heart the most, is when I see people that simply reject Jesus. Reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but also just everything that Jesus came to do for them. God so desperately desires for us to experience a life and an abundant life of quality and quantity. But they're so easy and so quick to say, salvation is all I want. I want to just go to heaven. But Jesus said there's more to this life that you can experience. Can you say amen? amen. The pains of Jesus were felt throughout his life. And it came to a climax through his crucifixion. I don't know about you, but it's hard to even begin to imagine all the pain that he experienced hanging on that cross. 
I don't know if he can truly appreciate what he did. But I have a son. And I wouldn't give my son for one of you. You hear me? If I'm going to prefer someone over you, it's going to be my son. Obviously, I have multiple children, but I'm talking simply because of a son. And it was God the Father and his son. And he loved us so much that he sent him to be abused, to be tortured, to be mocked, to be hurt, to be betrayed, all the while knowing what was going to take place. I won't give my son for you. That's how much God loves us. He loves us. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 4, this was the reason. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, This high priest, of our understands our, of ours understands our weakness for he faced all the same testing that we did yet he didn't sin verse 16 says so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive mercy and will find grace when we need it the most why did Jesus experience all that he did so that he could experience what you and I do on an everyday life experience. So God says, I want you to come boldly to me. Don't feel like you don't have the ability to approach me with confidence. Don't feel like your situation is too big or too petty for me because I've been there. I've went through it. I've experienced it. I felt the weight. I felt the cares. I felt the, 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 the hurt of betrayal. I know what you've went through. And Jesus says, come. Come and receive mercy from me. It says that he's our high priest. And so therefore we can come boldly. The whole reason that Jesus did what he did is so that we don't have to feel inadequate or feel insufficient or feel self-conscious. God says, I sent my son for you so that you could come boldly and obtain mercy. Amen? God wants you to know that he's come to set you free. And take your cares. He doesn't want you just to have eternal life. He wants you to be free. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Will you stand with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed... I want you just to search your heart this morning. And I want us to really be sincere in this this morning. Don't just take a quick glance and say, well, yeah, everything's great. Everything's good. Right now, in this next moment, I pray that the Spirit of God would begin to move and tenderize your heart. And there's areas that you have tucked things away. You have pushed them to the side. You've never dealt with things. But there's something that's there. 
It's been that constant dark cloud that has followed you. It's been the constant nag in your gut. It's been the constant pressure that you felt in your mind, in your thought life. Just not being able to escape that burden, that pressure, that thing that seems to just haunt you. What is it? What is that thing? What's that hurt? What's that face? What's the name that has caused that? Jesus said, I understand how you feel. And Jesus said, I purpose to take the punishment of abuse, the punishment of discouragement, the punishment of abandonment, the punishment of deceit, the punishment of betrayal. I did that for you. I carried it to the cross. I nailed it to the cross so that you didn't have to hang on to it, push it to the side, tuck it away, or just deal with it another day. He said, I came that you could be free from the burden and the pressures of life. So right now, let's purpose to release it. He says, you can come boldly into my presence because I've been there. And nothing that you'll be so bold to bear your emotions in your heart with him about can shock him or intimidate him because he did what he did so you could be free from it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender that to you right now. Today is recognized as Passion Sunday or the beginning of your sufferings. And we say thank you for doing what you did. And God, we release that hurt, that pain, that person in Jesus' name. We release that constant memory and that constant nightmare that continually repeats and reminds us of the past. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that the past can be erased, that the pain can be removed, that the burden can be lifted. God, right now, we give that to you. We don't come with a a lip dragon. We don't come with a limp in our step. We come with our chest held high, our, our shoulders back and say, God, here it is. We give it to you. We no longer carry it. We no longer want it. We don't even have to say, we're going to deal with it. We just take it and give it entirely to you and say, you deal with it. So God, we thank you that we're free right now in Jesus' name. And so devil, we say, stop. You cannot from this day forward bring that thought back. You can no longer rewind the tape and play it again because there is no more tape. There is no more reminder. There is no more past. The past is gone. It was covered and it was nailed to the cross. So Jesus, we thank you for clarity of mind, for a fresh, clean heart, and a new start.
in Jesus' name. And we give you the thanks and the praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life